Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, and welcome to Sharp Cuts. Can't believe we've made it this far. Josh, my partner in crime, Josh Nickel from Past and Dimes, me, Garrett May from Yes Guy Gaming, joining forces to make Sharp Cuts. Josh, I can't believe we've made it this far. We run this volleyball talk show combining the interview style of Josh Nickel and the don't know what I'm doing, chirp everything style of Garrett May of Yes Guy Gaming to make this show. So surprising we've actually kept it going this long. Nobody's actually come after us so far. So still waiting on that, though. Hopefully it doesn't happen this week because that would be terrible. But anyways, enough of that. I'll throw it over to my guy, Josh Nickel, to introduce our guest for this week episode. Josh, take it away. Yeah, I think we're on episode eight, which is awesome because further than we probably thought we'd get. And, you know, there's little confirmation points along the way, Garrett, that you know you're doing a good job. Like, every once in a while, I'll get a text or a message be like, hey, that was a great episode. But the thing that really sticks out to me is the level of guests we can get. That's how I know we're doing a good job, because we have two awesome guests today that are just going to blow the ratings away. Like, I expect double the numbers this week, Garrett. So the first guest has accomplished a lot. We'll keep the bio short so we can, you know, start the show. But she played for the University of Kentucky. Go Wildcats. She played for our national team indoors and on the beach. She's played many years of pro and now is a big part of the Preds Volleyball Club in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Please welcome to the show, Rebecca Pavin. Hey, thanks for having me. And she helped recruit another guest. So this isn't just friends helping friends anymore. This is like the whole volleyball community is coming together. So this, uh, I guess I should say athlete, she probably identifies as a coach now, but as an athlete, played at Waterloo University studied coaching and went out west so a canada west athlete with the ooh, i was gonna say golden bears it's not golden bears it's the u of a pandas and we can get into that when we get going and is now an assistant coach with queen's university also done some team ontario stuff please welcome to the show natasha spalling yeah oh hi well wait, long bios like the show's over garrett that's the hour yeah josh i can't yeah, believe you managed to secure guests of this caliber um, I would like to say, and maybe it segues into our, our first discussion topic, Josh, we can get to that, but our first female guests. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate what? that eight episodes in, we've never had any women on the show. Uh, feel free to chirp us in the comments anywhere for that or just on the show right now, both of you. But uh, maybe that's a bit of a segue, I'm not sure. Josh, I'm excited to get going. What are we getting into? Well, I can't confirm or deny, but there may have been a ghost episode where we messed up the quality that there was a female guest on, but it never made air. So we can't confirm or deny. But anyways, stuff happens every once in a while. But for this week, first confirmed female guest, we thought nothing would be better than to talk about women in sport. And we can go down a lot of avenues. But where I wanted to start, because we have youth sports athletes, NCAA level athletes, we have people coaching in the sport. I just want to talk about, first of all, the level of support you got, because I think it's it's a touchy subject right now with equality and things like that. So I know neither one of you likes to be put on the spot, but Becky, maybe we could start with you as an NCAA athlete. You went to Kentucky, which as a casual fan, I would label that a basketball school. So maybe you could let us know what the women's volleyball team felt like support wise. And we can kind of like, instead of speaking in hypotheticals about all oh, the sports, you know, they don't get equal treatment or whatever. Tell us firsthand what your experience was. Well, I mean, so I would say that, that the sports, I'm not saying male, female just yet, don't get equal treatment. We have the main sports that get like a ton of gear, a ton of hype. Um, you're flying. I, I mean, I took like three commercial flights my entire time in Kentucky because we chartered everywhere. Like, so, what? you know, and yeah, <laughs> we took private jets to all of our tournaments or all of our games. Sorry. What the heck is going on? Private yeah. jets? What? Yeah, they had the best snacks too. Like we're I not talking peanuts. Like we would try to sneakily get the cookies. You know, those were the good. St that was the good stuff. I'm immediately. Uh, but looking at the NCAA women's basketball tournament, that <laughs> abysmal 
um, wage section. That's not what I experienced. I, uh, we were one of the top three sports at the University of Kentucky. So men, or let's say four, men's basketball, men's football, women's basketball, and women's volleyball, I would say were some of the bigger sports at the school. And we never felt like we didn't get anything from our athletic department. So I'm looking at this whole NCAA situation. And from my perspective at my university, I'm thinking that was a, an NCAA problem because University of Kentucky treated us like Queens. Like we were in the same facility as men's and women's basketball and we got all the perks that they had, you know, like we, they had um, uh, the best newest weight room, the best newest athletic training room, underwater treadmills, um, in-ground hot and cold pools, and all of this stuff that we got to reap the benefits of too, including a brand new dressing room that was done the year before I got there. Immediately so, like, regretting my choice of school. Yeah. <laughs> No offense, Lester. I know. And Sorry, I went back for on. alumni weekend <laughs> for the first time. And it was just sickening how much better it is now. Like, you don't think it could get better, but it has. Um, but what I really commend Kentucky for doing is when they made that Joe Craft Center for the basketball team, they made mirror image men's and women's sides for basketball, including the locker room's mirror image. The training gym was mirror image, so they tried to make it equal for both sides, which uh, I think is pretty unique to that school. I mean, mad respect. I mean, I, I will say that's kind of mirror image. I mean, if I can share my experience, at Western, uh, the women's team got way more stuff than we did. Um, and I mean, for good reason, absolutely. They deserved it. They actually won and were good. Um, I mean, equal's probably better, but if you're going to, I mean... They, they were kicking our ass, and they reminded of us, too. They were like, hey, you, we get our own buses everywhere. You guys got to take the short bus everywhere you go. We're staying in hotels. We get these tournaments. It's like, okay, that's enough. Thanks. Oh, my God. No, that didn't happen. Uh, I mean, you can't really compete with popularity when you're at Kentucky for basketball or football. Like, those sports also pay for pretty much all of UK athletics. So, I mean, do you really want to split hairs? Like, they got one more pair of shoes than me. I got, like, three. And That's they got it. One four. more pair of shoes. <laughs> you're done. Forget it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I was shocked to see that because that was never my experience. But volleyball, there's no male equivalent at most NCAA schools. So who knows? Fair point. And, Garrett, your comment, like, for the listeners, you're not popping off. Like, I believe at Western they have a tiered system, right, where, like, men's football would do very well, women's volleyball would be well, somewhere in the middle. And you guys were I'm always popping off. Like, they well, know that, and we need to reaffirm, <laughs> reaffirm that. But, yeah, what I'm saying was true. It just happened to be this time, yeah. How do you so, even decide that? There's, there's a tiered system in, in U sport. So, like, sports are automatically tiered as G G1, G2, and G3 sports. So like G1 sports, I think, get a, you have to pay a certain amount, but then it's like they have um, like they have certain standards of, of um, that they have to abide by when they're producing their sporting event. So like, for example, if you're a G1 sport, you have to be webcast. So at Western, volleyball isn't a, isn't a G1 sport anywhere. It's a G2 sport. So like at Western, they don't have a live feed on their game day because they don't have to but if you're a g1 sport you have to which is super interesting so there is like a a tiered system across the board and then within ontario too which is super interesting who knew well yeah. i mean so i guess some people think volleyball is a boring sport i don't get it i don't know why but i mean maybe that's why we get relegated but i'm not sure was that what you mean by support josh like in terms of just financials like what you're kind of getting in terms of from these institutions or were you talking more just kind of support in terms of pushing you into the sport keeping things going the encouragement to kind of stay and support and remain part of the community well i think support was the one because becky brought up the the weight room issue and i think that was a clear one where it, it's not the same and i think you know we, we could go down a different path and say sometimes it just comes down to a business decision because becky mentioned like the football team it's not even debatable. They fund the whole athletic program, and that includes, like, men's volleyball isn't self-sustaining. Men's baseball isn't self-sustaining at most schools, right? So the football team is the athletic department, right? So I don't think it's an unfair thing. If anything, football could complain more, but that's not how the athletic department does their budget, right? Like, um, no. So breaking down the sports that way, but I, I think 
Becky's experience doesn't say the same thing that other athletes are maybe complaining, saying like, oh, why do they get this? It's like, well, you guys were treated really well and your yeah. sport was treated like professionally, right? So I'm, I'm curious just before we wrap this one up, Natasha, if you want to share like the U Sports example, like when you were at Waterloo or when you were at U of A, like was there really any difference or did the athletic department try to make everybody feel like they had a competitive advantage and they were cared for? Yeah, I don't think that... I think it was really similar to Becky. I mean, we weren't flying private jets <laughs> what? anywhere. No private jets? We had further to travel. I know that is shocking. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody is in Canada. That'd be awesome. Go to that. Um, but uh, we, yeah, I, I can't say that there is anything huge that I would notice between men's and women's sports at any school that I've been to. But I think it's more like small differences. So, like, something that, we've talked about quite a bit is like the men always playing before or always playing after the women. Um, so like that issue I think is super interesting to think about and like, what's the reasoning behind that and like going to U of A and having that schedule flipped in like the first half and the second half is I think something small, but it makes a really big difference when you think about the logistics behind it and the reasoning behind it and like creating some equity between, between men and women and, um, it doesn't seem, yeah, like a big deal necessarily. And it's like the opener to a concert. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like when I was working out at, at U of A, Lori was telling a story about how basically a, a fan came to her and was like, aren't you tired of being the opening act for the men? And she was like, oh, I, like she, she hadn't really thought about it before. I think she was kind of a young coach at the time. And then she like really had to fight to like play after the men, which is seen as a disadvantage. Um, but it's also cool because when you're in nationals, like you don't necessarily have that much time to prep or like if you're playing different tournaments, you might have quick turnaround time. So it's really like you're doing a service for your athletes by giving them a different um, playing time, playing slot. So I well, think the differences are just smaller in Canada. Yeah, well, and to your point, a lot of the men's teams are trash out there, straight garbage. So them playing in the, the marquee slot makes no sense in a number of ways. Not, not least of which is they experience? suck. Did you feel too much pressure playing after the Western women? Not, no. Like, we, there were years where we were both good, for sure. Like, they won in my first year. They were better. They were the best team. And we were playing after them. But, no, nah, we didn't. But I can imagine a team that is trash. And I'm not going to say it. Maybe I should say some names here and just really call some people out. Like, hey, your team's garbage, and you're playing after your women who are legit. Um, I can think of one. You can think of one? Yeah, I won't say it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm thinking U of T, and I'm not afraid to shout them out. John, get your stuff together over there at University of Toronto. Your men need to pick it up, bud. I don't like how you're calling him out by name, because that guy is a ginormous human who could probably break both of us. So well, I, we John, already had I, a great story <laughs> about him on a previous episode where we talked about how intimidating and big he was. So we've established that. Hopefully listens to that one and not this one. Sorry, John. Fair. I think the the game time thing is a funny one. I would almost prefer to go first because the amount of times like a match went five before us and you like warm up, sit down, warm up, sit down, or it just drags on versus you know your warm up time, you know you're up first. Like I I don't know if, if somebody told me we're the opening act, I think it was actually easier to plan your performance going first. So that's interesting to hear both sides of that. Yeah, I think if you look at it from like a spectator standpoint, like people are going to show up for the later game because it's like, I'm going to go out to Morty's and get wings. So I'm going to miss part of the women's game, but then I'll get there for the men's, you know? You know what's stupid yeah. though, is that is the thought and it makes sense to me, but in practice, at least in my experience, I see people show up for the 630 slot or the six slot and then leave after the first game. Like just peace out. Cause like, well, maybe that's because the men were garbage and not entertaining, but um, I see that happen quite a bit as well. I think also they just don't want to stick around for the warm up in between the games. Yeah, like how True. boring is that? They're like, oh, boring. Who wants to watch <laughs> guys pepper for twenty minutes? <laughs> Nobody. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think that people will show up and be like, oh, we'll catch the last set of the women's game, or we'll have another beer at Morty's. Yeah, and then. Where is Morty's? It sounds like I gotta go there. I'm sorry, have you not been to Morty's? No, I gotta find my way to Morty's. Where is that? I'm, I'm out. I'm lost. These the are wings the best are amazing. Wings. The best wings. Where? Where are we talking? Toronto? We talking um, somewhere else? University and King. No. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I yeah. should know that. I used to work near there, but uh, okay. I mean, hey, everybody meet at Morty's before the next game. Uh, COVID reminder. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Let's call our friends at Waterloo. Garrett, we can do a live hype-up show before, eat wings, and then we can go to a Waterloo Warriors game. Like, we can I come to that? Because I like, I, that's what I, I live for, those wings. How many friends do we have in Waterloo? Like, Could we fill that place, or is it going to be just you and I sitting there being like, hey, do you want <laughs> to listen to us? Wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm offended. Here I am. <laughs> well, listen, well, we I'm, that means a lot that you would say you would you would show up and join us for some wings pre-game. The sharp cuts. I'd be there for the show. wings, yeah. But it's probably just for the wings, not for the company, right? Come for the wings, stay for the sharp cuts. And Josh, maybe. Right, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's why I was there anyway. So I think the other layer of support would be though, like I I ate my own words where I I popped off and said like all these people talking about a weight room. Why don't you just watch the game and show support and that might actually help them get sponsors and stuff. Garrett, I got to tell you, I watched the women's basketball game. I I know players now. It was good. The level was entertaining. Like Dahani Carrington from Baylor. Like if there was jerseys available, I might consider buying one because she's an absolute killer. And now I know players, right? And I think credit to ESPN and TSN for showing it because the the production value actually does help you watch a game of that level. And when the commentators know what they're talking about, I kind of got into it. So I think that's the other layer of, of not just men's and women's sport, but I think volleyball in general. Like I tried to run a beach league here in Toronto and everyone's like, oh, I would love to watch our beach players play live. Okay, Sunday night at Beach Blast, come. Oh, I'm busy. Like I can't make it. I can't do this, right? So I think if you're going to be a fan and you're going to you know, talk this big game about like, oh, we got to support these athletes, you actually have to go out of your way and watch them and support them. And like, if we could pick a Waterloo game and go to Morty's and then pack the gym afterwards, or there's got to be somewhere in Kingston to get wings. We can get support Natasha too. Like we can do whatever, but there's got to be a way to get butts and seats and people supporting it and making an atmosphere. Like that's the, the missing support, I think, is people will share stuff on social, but they don't follow it up with action very often, in my mind, at least. I think that's completely true. And like... From my experience at Kentucky, we we had like decent fans, but I didn't really see an, a big uptick until my my very last game where we like filled our stadium and we shared the same stadium as the women's basketball team. And it was the first time in my life that I'd seen the second bowl of our stadium. And I'd been re- like the next day after that sweet, sweet 16 loss, we like I was recognized for the first time in the mall. Yeah. Whereas like you would see 40 year old men getting an autograph for their two-year-old son like standing outside of the men's basketball dorm with like a basketball design um like they were like I don't want to be stalked I'm not saying that but I make a little (laughs) recognition like it's not like you see a 6'4 blonde girl walking around every day like I'm pretty recognizable but in Kentucky it was like basketball goggles from fans I think too there's a little bit of a lot of onus that's put on like us and our programs that be out in the community and like get things done and build that where we are. Like Mm -hmm. nobody's going to give that to women's sport because we don't see it on TV. It's not easily accessible, like at all. You have to go search for it. And so I think like Dawn Stally, the, she was on the playbook too, which is really, really cool. Um, on Netflix, she just went out into the community and was like, I'm not going to get any recruits here until we get fans in the stands. And like, in order to get fans here, we have to get people in our community to actually give a crap about women's basketball here. Well, and, and that, that, was that kind of brings an interesting question. And that's what immediately where my mind goes is like, we struggle with this in our sport generally. Forget about yeah. the male female yeah. thing, just generally. So, I mean, it kind of brings up a good question in my mind is like, okay, so so what is it that we can do to really say, hey, this is freaking exciting. This is worth watching. Let's put this in front of people because it's great. I mean, it, we argued about this the other day, Josh, on, on one of the shows about like, what do we need? Do we need personality? Do we need talent? Do we need commentary? Do we need production? Like, what, what are we taking? What are we narrowing in on saying, hey, let's throw this out there. People need to see this because it's great. I think you need some understanding. Like you need people like, I don't know if anybody watched the athletes unlimited in the States that was going on last month, but they did an amazing job. um, The commentators of explaining what was going on. So a lot of people don't understand volleyball. They see a ball go out of bounds and they're like, why wasn't it? Why, why did the point go to the other team? And you see some of the biggest sports that we see out there, there's a lot more understanding. So like basketball, easy to understand. Sorry, basketball players, hockey, tons of hockey players in Canada. Everybody understands it. Uh, baseball, easy, uh, easy to understand, run around the bases. Got it. Like, so 
in volleyball, there's so many weird things happening. I think that, that when you don't understand something, it's harder to like, <laughs> and yeah, the commentators need to do a really, really good job of like keeping the people there and explaining what's happening at least early on in the sport. And you always see a resurgence, like a, a surge of interest after the Olympics because of the beach athletes that are that are shown, and everybody's like, "This is so cool!" But then it drops off again because nobody gets it. Yeah, I think that we need better production value too. Like, I think that I think you're right. We need better understanding, but I think that people need to care enough <laughs> to try to understand it. And yeah. I think that, like, like for example, like I went to Nashville and saw quite a few hockey games there. My brother was there for a bit, and people in Nashville didn't necessarily know all of the rules of hockey, but they loved it. Like the arena's packed. They've got their little claws out with the penalty kill and they're like doing all the things right because it's fun it's experience to go to the game and so i think that like with volleyball we just need it more visible like we need to do a better job and especially in canada i think the ncaa actually does this pretty well um but we just need to build up a better following of marketing who our athletes are because we have some awesome athletes here and we just don't have anywhere to show them off except for like our live stream that nobody watches except their moms and dads and they already think that they're awesome <laughs> yeah and typically the live streams are like a camera up in the corner of the gym so like the feed's not that good so unless you're invested why are you going to watch that you need like the the zooming in the shot like showing the people up close attacking the ball like replays yeah. <laughs> All right, well, challenge accepted. If there's anybody out there watching who somehow happens to be hiring and looking for people to run streams and commentate, you got four people right here who are eager, ready to go. Give us a call. Sharp Cuts is ready to answer. I don't think I have the skills, but I'm there. I'll commentate. You don't have the skills. All right. I mean, sure you do. What are you talking about? This, like I can't do production value. I'm a, like, I'm a math teacher. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I'll let our viewers be the judge of whether we are capable of doing production value just based on <laughs> yeah, what I you're seeing right you. now. We'll leave that up to your interpretation. Um, but Josh, I mean, I got I mean, speaking of sharp cuts, we really haven't had many sharp cuts, and I'm kind of in the mood, so I'm going to throw one. Look at you throwing out the topic to start the show that nobody's going to like. Nobody can disagree with. Are you kidding me? Of course, like we need support for women's sport, athletes, all that shit. Like I'm not nobody. I mean, I don't want to say nobody, but, like, anybody going to come on the show and disagree with that? I don't think so. Get off sharp guts. Fine. Fine. <laughs> you know what? You want to pick sides? I'll, I'll pick sides with you. Let's do... Let's go, Josh. Let's talk athletes converting into coaching because oh, you and shit. I are on opposite sides because <laughs> you're a world <laughs> champion and you started coaching. So, in my mind, I always use, like, Wayne Gretzky as an example, being like, ah, past athletes, they're not good coaches. They, they're too natural. They don't know what us dummies had to go through. That's why we're better coaches because we had to grind and learn where... I don't know. What were you guys? Just tall and then good at volleyball? So you don't know what it's like. I, so there, Garrett. I've drawn the line where, where there, I'm a better volleyball coach than Becky because she was just naturally gifted. She doesn't understand our sport from the level to teach it to somebody less athletic than her. So let's talk about it, Garrett. Transitioning from athlete to coach. Let's pick some sides. Let's get some hot takes going. Becky, do you want to start as the tall person on the call? Yeah, well, first of all... <laughs> we should, because size matters. First Absolutely. of all, you're assuming that I was naturally good at volleyball. My own father told me I wasn't good enough and kicked me out of the gym, closing the door on me when I was in grade seven. So, like... Dad? Was, Paul? Yeah. What are you doing? Like one of many, many instances of me and, me and Paul. But I was so bad. So I think that I had the struggle. I may be, I may be 6'4", but I was an ostrich. Like, I couldn't do anything I mean, like you said it. none of us were gonna go there but we got some sharp cuts against <laughs> yeah, yourself I mean, but it's still self-cut is, is a common issue here yeah it was bad and so i don't know i understand the whole like if you didn't have if you were just naturally gifted it's hard to be a great coach because you don't know how to to help somebody who's struggling but i also think that if you really care about coaching you can educate yourself and and learn how to help those people those those athletes yeah i mean that's a really nice sentiment and i think it's one that uh, super nice for the show and uh, i think you're going to earn a lot of fans with that comment and i'm going to maybe burn some bridges here josh did you ever play yeah oh yeah oh yeah nothing but above club club was the peak you played i thought club. you were about to say middle school to be honest i'm sorry <laughs> yeah 
Like, so the people who get into coaching often are the ones who weren't good players. And the people who aren't good players say it was, oh, well, it's because, you know, you had it easy and I had to work at it. Now I'm the coach. That's a classic argument, Josh, and I'm calling you out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, we didn't even have middle school or something. Like, it was so rural that we had public school and then you went to high school. There wasn't a need for middle school. Yeah, what's middle so. school? <laughs> Maybe Natasha can be the neutral one on this, like as a high level player, but you, you transitioned to coaching really quickly and actually studied it for your your. Was it a master's at U of A? Uh, see, I said it on more research. But as somebody who, who maybe didn't, you know, become a world champion like Garrett before he transitioned into being a coach, maybe you can be the middle person here and just explain your journey. And was it difficult transitioning? Was it easy? Like, did it happen quickly? I don't uh, know. Like, Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting. Like, I when I started volleyball, I also sucked. I didn't even like it. I wanted to play basketball. Like, I did not <laughs> like volleyball. The only reason I played it was to win athlete of the year in grade eight. And then I got just tricked. I got tricked for the rest of my life into playing it. And now I coach. That's a nice move, by the way, though. Play just to get Athlete of the Year. Familiar with that move. Absolutely. Yeah, I've done that. No big deal. Drain Heights, Athlete of the Year. Look it up. Um, so, yeah, anyways, from, from playing, yeah, I tore my ACL two times. And going into my last year of playing, that's kind of what, like, pushed me into coaching. And I, like... I met with Lori. I was like serendipitously in Alberta and I met with her and she's like, yeah, like coaching's really hard. You might not want to do it. Like it's, you got to travel all the time. You're away from your family a lot. Like you're working super long hours. It's not very cool. Like it's not as fun as being an athlete. It's not what? <laughs> That's why Josh got into coaching. Yeah. This is the highest level I can compete at Garrett. My body was not going to get me here. That's what I'm saying. It's not cool. What are we doing? <laughs> um but yeah I don't know it was it was tough at first because I felt like I was going to be just naturally really good at it <laughs> I very very quickly learned that like I knew nothing and was very dumb and so I basically just spent like a year just watching and being like oh my goodness I know nothing about volleyball so um yeah I don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of what happened so I'm not sure I'm not even sure if I'm a good coach, to be honest. You, have to ask you are. <laughs> well, I'll you're bringing the coaching is. education level here up just a significant notch with the master's in coaching. I'm not sure that we're really rocking any sort of pedigree like that. Maybe some coaching levels, which I will say on the show, I have no coaching levels. So I'm, to this day, I'm no, not certified in any way <laughs> for your college <laughs> coach. So I'm not really sure I have much credibility at all. Well, I mean, I think that, yeah, you could be right. <laughs> no, it's okay to say. I mean, I've never seen a coach. I don't know. We just it, met. It's funny that the, the different perspectives and like as a player, somebody would say to you, yeah, coaching is hard because like I would, my perspective would be like the whole time I played, I'm looking at the coach going, man, that is so easy. You just have to sit there. You tell people what to do and they go do it. You don't have to deal with the pressure of like, um, you know, dealing with things in the match, like you have to get set for match point and you got to put it away. Like coach doesn't have to deal with that. If co team wins or loses on that, what's the pressure on coach? None. And so I, as a coach transitioning, I felt like the pressure was just completely off me and I could really just focus on helping the teammates. Maybe that's not a common opinion though. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. 
No, I have so much more respect for coaches after coaching 12U all year. Love my 12Us. Mm, do you, though? Argument with my with my boyfriend a couple times now. It's a very heated debate because he is really into football and like cares a lot about football coaches and turnover. I don't I don't know very many football coaches. But anyway, we're talking about the debate of like, is it better to be like the top tactical X's and O's person or be like the emotionally intelligent, can run a team, can understand, can communicate person. And I'm pretty firmly on the line of like, if you're an emotionally intelligent person and can work with people, you can learn the X and O's. Like you can work super hard at that. But I think it's really hard to go the the other way and like learn people. But we have had this debate like relentlessly. Um, and something I feel like I've learned about coaching along the way is it's just like coaching people so much more than the X's and O's of the sport. Well, that might be a reality of the sport as well, because if you look at football, how technical it is in terms of the, the plays and where people need to be at what time, that if you don't know, if you drop a shit sequence, you're going to get your ass kicked, right? Like, whereas in volleyball, coach draws up a terrible play, runs terrible practice all year, somehow has the best player in the league attend their school or on their team, and they get set a high ball from the back line and pounded off the left hand and into the antenna for match point. It's like... Who gives a shit about the system there? Like, as long as that person's going to get it done for me. I feel like that's not a hypothetical. That was your yeah. university career. That was too specific to be a hypothetical. I, I may or may not be speaking from personal experience, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, sometimes that person has to hit it from way off the net, too, because their beach partner's garbage at setting. No, no I'm not going to say any names, Dan. <laughs> But would anybody on this call take the perspective that the X's and O's are more important? I don't think so. I don't think in sport, like my own journey, I was in such a race to get the levels because, you know, my, my tier two bronze medal wasn't going to get me credibility like Garrett May, right? So I had to get my levels. I had to get coaching experience. I don't think the kids care. They want to know that you're invested in them. You can make them better. Like, Becky, do any of your 12 youths care that you played overseas or know what that is or that you're on the national team? Like, they, they just want to do ballers and warm up. Ago. They found out two practices ago that I played professionally. That's my first line. Hey, everybody. I'm Garrett. I'm a world effing champion. Respect. (laughs) No, I was like, hey, I'm Becky. I coach volleyball. And then, like, I was talking about playing in the world championships in Italy in 2014. They're like, you played in Italy? And I'm like, oh, my God. I played in Italy, but I played in the world championships. I think you're missing a point here. Their eyes were like this, and they're like staring up with me, breaking their necks because they're all like four foot nothing. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a point. You got to command respect from those twelve year olds. Hey, do you know how big of a deal I am? I'm Becky. I mean, we run lines this year. During timeouts? Are you the one who does it during timeouts? No, for not calling the ball. <laughs> but not during a timeout, because that would be mega hang up the call right now move. Have you ever seen it? Either one of you. Becky or Natasha, have you seen a coach make the team run lines during timeouts? Because Garrett has, and he's not letting it go. We're on the hunt to find coaches who do this. I have heard of it. It's like a myth. I've heard of it. I've seen. I've never it. seen it along the end line. Like do some sort of sprint. no, like real run. Like, That's like activation. That's not like punishment. It's kind of yeah. dumb too. Like it's yeah, not like you weren't standing <laughs> there doing that the whole game. Things. Now do that. Now stop that. Yeah. So like they're on the court and they're running. Sprints. Yeah, like like timeout. Did they lose? Timeout <laughs> and lines. What? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I've been punished privately in practice later. I don't think you can do that. You absolutely can. Well, listen. My athletes, when they have one pinky toe on the court in a timeout, it's like, whistle, get off the court. Easy there. I'm really not sure if we're ready to dip our toe in the over the line, metaphorically, of the ref situation. We got some (laughs) ref friends. I want to talk about it at some point, but I don't know if we're ready. But in college, it's a little bit more lax. It's like, hey, if you want to have your guys run lines in a timeout, Go for it. Nobody cares. This happened in college? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse, because you're not kids anymore. No, they're adults, and they're running suicides and lines in a timeout. So That's embarrassing. I mean, I think that's where you got to look, Josh, and say, if this person was a former player who transitioned to a coach, they probably wouldn't be doing this. Well, sorry. I mean, you know some of the... Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just thinking our sport is kind of unique that way that I think we need former players to be coaches because to go back to Becky's earlier point, the understanding where you can be like a decent hockey coach or like people think they understand football and have never played. I think most of the NFL fans are people who have actually never played football, myself included, right? So volleyball, I think if you're going to give up that much time and be away from your family and do that stuff, you you might as well be a former player because you have a, a better grasp. Like I think parents who volunteer to coach their kids' team because they like volleyball, I have so much respect for them, but you can tell they're just lost at times, right? Yeah, but at least they're not making their kids run end lines in timeouts. Well, I I mean, I think it depends. Maybe their coach did that. Like, maybe that's how they learned to coach. Is maybe they were running lines from their coach, and then that was like, that's how they coach now. Shit, Josh, it's the hereditary move. We got to find the source. We got to go right to the history and track it down. (laughs) This just got. Are you against myself though? Do you guys know who John Cook is? Hmm. He's the coach of Nebraska, yeah. one of the most successful programs in NCAA, and he never played volleyball. It's an interesting one. Okay. I'm I, pretty I, sure Russ Rose may not have played either. Well, so this is my thing with coaching and success as a coach, because I feel like players, when they go to become a coach, I feel like there's naturally some sort of player development leaning attitude there, because as a player, you want to improve, you want to get better. Um, and you can at least help or know that that's a desire in your players. I often find, though, that the coaches who are better at recruiting, which has nothing to do with volleyball, and getting people to come to their program and, and, and play for them, yeah. like the best players, either in club, which is a thing now, or at university college, are end up being the most successful, which in a lot of ways, you could be the worst X's and O's coach of all time. But as long as you get the best players to come to your program, you're going to be doing all right, which I hate so much as a former player because I want to help these guys get better and help them win. But I find I'm not able to do that. Because they don't want to play for you? People didn't want to play for me because I'm not some, I'm not a smooth talker. I don't know if you've noticed. We've been on the call for about 35 minutes. And I mean, take your own impressions. But yeah, I couldn't convince anybody. I'm surprised we convinced you both to come on the show. I was just going to say, yeah, maybe too many sharp cuts. Yeah. I'm getting paid for this. I talk to a recruit and I say, yeah, I think you're pretty good, but this is weak. You need to get better at this. And they're like, okay, see you, bud. You don't think I'm that good. I had an experience with this when I was being recruited. So I was told by one coach, like, yeah, you're probably not going to start. Like, you need to improve. You need to do all these things. And every other team was showing me lineups with me in the starting lineup when I was going on my visits. And I actually committed to the, one of the coaches, the coach who told me like that I wasn't going to be good enough to start my freshman year because I respected his honesty, but you don't see very many people doing that. And I think that was more of like a Paul Pavin um, influence kind of thing. Um, I didn't end up going to that school because he ended up not coaching there and I left before, uh, before I got there. But yeah, you go on these recruiting trips as athletes and for a lot of athletes, NCAA, I don't know about OUA, you're walking into these things and they're like, here's a jersey with your name on it. This would be what your locker looks like. Look at these starting lineups with you in the in this position. I mean, that would work like, on me. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm the best. And you want to do that. You want to go there. Yeah, that would have been me for sure. But you were probably a little bit more intelligent. And I'm like, oh, who thinks I'm good? I'm coming. <laughs> so, I mean, well, and that plays out. We never won. Um, so... Yeah. Hard to the win. point of, of support, though, because I feel like this is, you know, it's kind of rare. We have two women coaches in Canadian volleyball um, at various levels here on the show, but we've struggled to find, you know, many women to get on the show, which has been tough, as I mentioned earlier, our first female guest, unbelievable. Um, I'm curious, the support piece, like when you finish playing, when you're nearing the end, are your coaches saying to you, hey, I think you'd make a great coach. Hey, you should get into coaching. Hey, this is something viable that makes sense for you. Um, You should do this. Or is that just something you're like, "Ah, I can't give it up. I need to stick around. I think it's way too late if, and I think this is what coaches usually do. It's like, Mm. you're done. And then it's like, oh, hey, do you want to coach? But I think at that point, it's just kind of too late because the athlete already has their career path. They already have what they want to do. And then, I mean, I think to most logical people, it might be like, well, I'm already doing this. Why would I give it up to coach? Like if you're trying to coach as like a profession, for example. Um, 
but I think that lots of athletes when they graduate want to like help out and coach and give back to their community I don't really know well is that what happened to you like is coach saying to you like hey because you're you're still in coaching you're still doing it obviously for a reason yeah well yeah like so with me I was on the hiring committee of the last coach of Waterloo like the current coach and so Chris big deal alert Uh, (laughs) and uh The, the associate AD and Chris Lawson um, asked me if I want to be a coach. And then I was like, yeah, for sure. I'll coach someday, but that's not like a real job. People aren't coaches. Um, and now, yeah, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And that was in like, I think that was my third year. So I kind of had two years to like figure out how you actually become a coach. But I think had that happened to me and I was graduating, I probably, I don't know if I'd be a coach as a job. Okay. So like you think it was too late at that point. Cause if you get that people already had plans and then you get jokers like Josh and I hopping in and coaching a random college team in Toronto and you know, they don't even work at it for years. They just fall into it type thing. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly Exactly. Right. Josh. <laughs> I think Whoa. you get into, I think you get into like an interesting thing where in Canada, there's not as many coaching jobs. So you don't see as many people trying to get those jobs because how are you going to pursue such a small pool? I think you see more athletes going into coaching in, in the States after graduating because there's so many jobs that pay well, like, I mean, some of the top, even just volleyball, those volleyball coaches at the top schools are making six figures every year. Like that's craziness. But I also think that you're talking to two female coaches. I can tell you that last year going to tournaments, I was often the only head female coach in a club tournament. Like, so I'm also looking at it from a representation standpoint. Like how many of us had a female coach growing up? I know Tash did. I know I did not have a head head coach as a female ever in my entire career. I never had a head female coach. And so like – you start seeing it like young women, like, Oh, all of these coaches are men, I think. And so if you don't see yourself and you can see this in a lot of professions like STEM field, we're not going to get into that. Um, like if you don't see yourself doing that and you don't see people like you doing it, why are you going to do it? And then as a professional, you see a lot of women falling out of coaching because it's really hard with the travel that you were talking about for your family. Like you want to have, if anybody wants to have, kids it often falls to the woman to stay home with the the children still um and that's fine like that's great but it's really really hard to ask for a year's mat leave when you are coaching because that job can be lost so quickly I don't know if you heard of the story about the Arizona coach for the finals she was breast pumping at halftime in the final of the NCAA tournament yeah how do you how do you balance that I mean, you're spitting some real shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's some real stuff. And I mean, I've talked a little bit about this with some brands. I'm going to say it here. Like, you make a great point, And it's one that, because I, I coach club for a little bit, but I coach young boys. So when I'm in the gym with a group of guys and I'm seeing a bunch of dads and other dude coaches around, I'm not thinking twice about it, you know, just because I, I don't, maybe I should be, but I'm not. But recently I coached a 16U girls team with my partner, uh, Maria she was the head coach um and we walk around the gym and I obviously have a vested interest in her as a coach um you know a lead female coach and I'm looking around I'm going like this does nobody have a women coach on any of these teams like what the heck's going on that's number one number two is I am looking at who is the coach and it's a creepy old dude it's the creepy old dude why what's going on Listen, even if it's a 26-year-old dude there and he's going, yeah, I'm trying to be a coach, so I got to coach whoever I can. I'm going, dude, I get it. You want to do it? Go for it. Do what you can. But it's the creepy old dude, and I'm going, what the hell's going on here? It's so shocking. Like, me and my good friend Marissa were coaching together last year. Like, two, I mean, I guess I'm still young. I'm feeling old, but young females. And we were playing against this team with, like, this – ragtag crew of older men coaching these young women and I was like who are you like I feel like I know a lot of volleyball people like, and who I the hell are you? figure out where <laughs> these people came from 
Like, how did you end up in volleyball? And I'm looking around trying and like, I feel like when I see another head female coach at these tournaments and I'm just like, yeah, Hey, like what's up? Because it's so lonely. Like it's like a boys club. Yeah. And I am fully on board with any woman coach who wants to chirp the shit out of an opposing creepy old dude coach full points. Absolutely. We need more of that. I don't know. It's such a problem. I gosh, I could go on, but it's just like, even I was running a tournament and I had to do a tiebreaker and I had all the dads standing around me questioning my math. (laughs) I have a math degree, sir. Oh, I was about to say, how's your math? But it sounds like it's pretty effing good. (laughs) What's happening? No, like you got a map. You should have just like, yeah, you shouldn't have, but it would have been great to be like, hey, boys, you not see this magnet diploma? Back the F off here, boys. Beat it, punks. Like, l- put them in their place. It's my favorite thing here. We talk about chirps a lot on Sharp Cuts because, like, if there's anybody who needs to be chirped, it's some of these, yeah. Volley dads. Volley dads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, but we had my dad sport. on the show, and we chirped I him know. a lot. So it's a female dominated sport with very few females entering back into club coaching. Like you guys are saying that there's a lot of people giving back and like, we have a a wonderful club, like so many coaches, but there's not, I like, I look around and I don't see that many people from my age group and younger getting back into it. And I don't know if it's because of the time or because they still want their weekends to play. Like I don't identify with that. Cause like, I just, don't play um <laughs> but i don't know i think it's because they just don't know what it looks like like we just don't give them opportunities when they're younger so then they graduate and we say hey you should come back and coach and then they're like yeah okay and then they don't because they get busy doing other things versus if you just i don't know if you let your athletes or enable them empower them to start coaching when they're younger and let them fall in love with it it's fun and really put a priority on it. Like we were organizing the, I was just organizing a beach volleyball program and we got a list of coaches together and it was like all men, Natasha, pretty much. And I was like, okay, so we need to get some women coaching in here. And like, let's get some of our other athletes to coach the younger kids. And we're like super lucky here. All the coaches are so supportive of that. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's get some more women into, into coaching beach and, whatever but i don't know sometimes people just don't think about it unless somebody brings it up yeah and i'll be honest like it's something i would have never thought about had i not been in the room with somebody who you know i have a vested interest in doing it and i'm watching it and i'm there kind of live seeing it it's not something that i'm i'm thinking about too often right like like because if you don't see it if it's not there if it's not in front of you like I'm sure it's the same with ex-players who they move on to other things. And so they're out of the community. They're, you know, they still like volleyball, but you're not there every day. You're not seeing what it's like. And so, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing. I get that even now sometimes. And we run this show and a YouTube channel and coaching and all that. And it's still tough to really see and get the full sense of what's going on, let alone without COVID when everybody's stuck inside anyways. Holy. For sure. Yeah. It's super interesting. Like, I think this is the first year that I've really, really noticed. Like this is the first year I've been on a staff that hasn't had another female member on it. Like U of A was almost all women on the staff there, which was really cool. Um, and then at Niagara, I had I had female assistants there. And then here it's me and and all men. And I sometimes I'm standing in the gym and I'm like, whoa. Okay. Weird. Okay. So <laughs> we need to. We need to get some chirps rolling for your for your colleagues there. We need to let them know, hey, woman in the room, like let you guys what are you guys even thinking here? Like I'm all I'm down for that. You might need to help me off the show because I'm not very good at that. <laughs> well, listen, a good starter, a good starter. What are you doing here? What are you what do you think you're doing here? Genuinely. On sharp, I don't know. Becky asked me, and I said yes. No, I, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> you need to go up to Ryan and, and say, or your other coaching staff, and be like, "What are you doing here?" Sorry, my oh, acting was too good. I feel like I. Was, yeah. <laughs> How dare you come on this show? What are you even doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, you I'm say that to sure. that guy. 
Okay, well, I mean, he's a pretty nice guy, so. He is. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. I feel like he'd just be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you should be. No. I'll hire another woman. <laughs> Use your power. <laughs> yes, obviously, all of my assistant coach power that I wield. Well, so can we expect both of you to be kind of rising up and being leaders of massive programs or like that? I feel like that should be happening pretty soon, right? I <laughs> will not coach university or college. Uh, I, it's not in my plan. I'm happy to continue being very involved with the Preds program. I'm I, I help run the beach program. I will coach teams every year. I'm part of our executive. Um, so I feel like I'm doing my part, <laughs> but I just don't have any desire to, to get into the university stuff. I'll leave that to Tash. Uh, I'm a teacher. Like I don't want to leave that path to change again <laughs> so quickly, but yeah, but we'll leave it to Tash. Yeah. Hopefully that's the plan. But it's hard. It's really challenging to be a, a coach in general, and it's challenging to be a female coach for sure. There's only so many jobs in Canada, and I really want to coach Canadian volleyball. I, um, I get it. Next time you're on a board to decide who hiring the head coach, the recommendation is me. <laughs> and by me, I mean you. We're hiring. Oh. <laughs> by me, I mean you, not me. You. <laughs> I'm bad at podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so are we. It's fine. We don't even know yeah. what we're doing. Nobody's good at it. Yeah, like, uh... Oh, my gosh. Well, no. now that's a feel-good moment for us, I think. I'm inspired. Josh, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Because, I mean, we, 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 we've been covering some ground. We've covered a lot of ground. And not to ruin anybody's day, because that was a good feel-good moment. But I want to get into one more debate here. The day. And this, we're going to ruin Let's ruin it. Let's ruin it. Let's get into... When we talk about understanding volleyball, I think one thing you have to understand right away is there's some difference between the men's and women's game. And let's get down to it. Like, why do you guys run step around instead of sea balls? Like, why are little things like why do most players in the OUA float serve instead of spin serve, Natasha? What's up with that? Like, why are there so many differences between the men's and women's game? Yeah, good question. Becky, you want to go first? You want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I always say something that people don't like. So why don't you go first? Okay. Um, what was your first question about the step? So the, the general okay. theme is just why is the game so different between the genders? We coasting. Yes, I'd okay. like to address okay. some specific points. Um, one, we do run sea balls, so we'll run like a. Sometimes we'll run step, and sometimes we'll run sea ball. Um, so we do that. Um, <laughs> and. Second. Way to snap back with authority on this one. Well, actually. Well, actually, we run sea balls all the time, Josh. Check your facts, bud. Yeah. Um, and second, really cool. I like the question about float serve versus spin serve. So, like, something that I look at all the time is in the men's game, there's a lot of hand passing. And there's, like, almost none of that in the women's game, which is super interesting to me. And, Becky, you might have some thoughts on this. I'd be interested in it because I think that like women can hand pass and I don't know if it's that they think that they're not strong enough or if it's at the net height is lower. So it's like the angle isn't there for them to be able to pass. Um, but I think that's a really interesting question. Like we try to get a lot of our athletes to hand pass if they can, especially because men always hand pass float serves and all women do is float almost, I shouldn't say all, a lot of the time women float serve. So it's really interesting. <laughs> so I think that the net height thing plays a major role. So I don't know if you guys have ever played on a women's net with women serving, but that ball just comes, that float serve comes really fast on a lower women's net. Yeah. Okay. So then you talk about at the highest level, at the highest level, you're seeing women who are all over six feet playing on a net that really isn't that high like I mean I get for like a recreational level to be playing at that height of net but like I've been hit in the face hard by some big women and like let me tell you I wish that the net was a few inches higher at that moment but like I think the net height plays a massive role in the differences absolutely so the the, the serving women's float serves can come so fast over that low net yeah um, and we we don't generate the same power 
on a ball with our spin serve as men do. I'm a big believer of like, why would a woman spin serve if it's not just like a freaking hammer? Like Micah Hancock is an American setter who just has a ridiculous spin serve. She should spin serve. Most women, it's just not that effective. Yeah. Because you can't generate the, the curve or the, the speed that you need. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to kind of take it in a different direction, pull a bit of a May move here. Um, I think the only differences between the two games is the culture around them. Like, I think it's volleyball. Bump set spike, right? Like, why, why do women run a lot of step rounds and men don't? Are you kidding me? I'd love to see a big dude out of the middle run a step around and absolutely crush it. Why does nobody do that? Oh, because, oh, yeah, no, because we're stupid. Why do men always hand pass? Well, because nobody wants to wait, spend their time actually getting good at forearm passing because they're lazy asses. I only forearm pass when I play, never hand pass, just because the way I was brought up. So, like, what, I, was I any better or worse than the hand passer guy? No, I just did it differently. So, like, the, the game well, is different, I think, because we choose it to be different. Yeah. It's not allowed at younger levels. What's the, yeah, what's like we've been ways that we've they can been handcuffed. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. I, they don't call it that, but that's the crush volleyball rule. I'm gonna throw that out there, Josh. I'm taking credit for that for for that rule as the team went. You're the reason everybody's why we hand can't passing. hand pass till 16. You. Everyone's hand passing. I at 14, hate that rule. 15, 16, and then you get crush volleyball coming along, who's only forearm passing everything. And you realize you got a bunch of idiots who can't forearm pass at university. It's like, oh, we got to fix that. Yeah, but but not allowing hand passing is not the way to fix that. Yeah, getting better Being coaches better coach, absolutely is. To... I don't know about you, but we just talked about how that's a tough task. <laughs> yeah, we can't create good coaches, so we'll just change the rules. I mean, I respect it because, like, I there's a lot of dumbasses out there. So if you could take the power out of the dumbass's hand, do it 100% of the time. Uh, I so I so disagree with that. Like I just think it's terrible. Like I think it's like the worst rule. Well, I mean, like, I, that when then what you get is people who can't hand people who can't hand pass because they do the the or they can't forearm pass because the hand passing's way easier. And then in the women's game, like you're saying, the way people do things is it doesn't even matter anyways. Yeah, I think it's more of, like, a, a confidence issue from early, like, from the young age groups for women. So, like, women's upper body strength doesn't mm. develop super early, minus a handful. Like, I do not hand pass. I mean, let's be honest, I don't pass at all. But I don't hand pass because I don't. I never feel strong enough to, to push it mm. where I, I need to get it. And my thumbs are always a mess. Like, I always got jammed thumbs from stuff. So. But if you were doing that younger you might be more confident later on. That wasn't a rule when I was young. Right, okay. Yeah, but if we, but I think that coaches don't typically encourage their teams to hand pass. Like, how much hand passing do you work on in 12 years? You can't, because then they're going to get well, cold yeah, and now, they're going to lose the point. Now you can't, but back when I played 15U, before this rule was in, every team we played only hand passed. They put big dudes up on the attack line and hand passed literally everything. This just seems like a coaching fail on both ends then. I like, agree. I hate these dumbass coaches. And <laughs> I really don't like people thinking that, like, oh, the games are that different. Like, the men's and women's. Like, you got I women think who they're slightly different. Men and women are different. Well, they yeah, are, they're... for sure. For sure. Like, men's game has a little more um, termination. It's more of a termination game, in my opinion. Like, you don't see as many longer rallies in the women's game, you see a lot more rallying, um, even at the higher levels. Like you'll you'll see a lot of more termination on the women's side too, but you still see those rallies that you don't see as often in the men's game. Yeah, I think if you're talking like internationally, like at the very highest level, that may hold true. I don't know the stats, but anecdotally, from watching university players here in Canada, I can tell you there are many games where the women terminate far more than the men do. I have sat through a number of Ontario University games where it's the men, dig, set a high ball, tip over, cause I'm weak and scared. Pass, set, tip over a back row pipe, oh, they dug it up, oh, don't set, oh, see ball, tip, cause I'm scared. 
Like that is the most boring thing to me ever. Well, you don't be embarrassed by being blocked. Oh, yeah, that too. Like, oh, why? Because ego's all wrapped up into it. Get, cut the ego. Let's see some dudes run some step arounds and let's see some women crush those sea balls because I know there's some big units out there who can absolutely crush it. I love a sea ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Beck, you probably hammered a few sea balls in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Better than a pipe for me, for sure. Oh. I don't know. I got weird stuff going on. What position am I? Am I supposed to like, where am I supposed to be hitting from? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares really, to be honest? It's, it's just a game after all. Oh, sorry. Is that blasphemous to say on this show, Josh? What have I done? It's just a game to you and I, Garrett, but to Becky, it was a living for a long time. Getting yelled at in <laughs> Polish. I tried to have it be my living, but I ended up losing $50,000 trying to make it happen, and it didn't happen. So that, yeah, that hits close to home. Josh, your thought of the differences between men's and women's, do you think that they're different? I think everything that was said was correct, not to turn this into a sharp cuts pillow fight, but I think men and women are different, so that naturally draws to it. But I think Garrett's point of we magnify it and we say it's different, like, oh, women can't hand pass, so now club coaches are just like, why are we going to waste, why only get them four hours a week? Why am I going to invest time into that when, like, at the highest levels they, they can't or don't or whatever the reason is? Like, I think... I think at the highest level, the, the game is very similar. Like, I see a lot of women's teams running a faster pipe. Like, the C stuff that Autumn Bailey was able to do at university, like, that was men's speed level stuff that they were doing. Like, it, it does get pretty similar at a certain point. But I, I think the conversations, for whatever reason, we treat it like it's totally different. And I, I don't know. I haven't figured out why. Like, I, I, I think, yeah, the termination thing is, I think it's completely true. I don't even think that's opinion. Like, I think the women have better ball control. I see it on the beach. I think they have way better ball control, but they don't hit to terminate where there's there's guys indoor garrets where the rally's over as soon as so-and-so gets set it just might be out or it might be a kill like <laughs> yeah. like, like as soon as so-and-so gets set are you talking are you talking about me because uh, if i, I if so i agree with you i don't think you made that many errors i don't remember you making that many errors yeah i got dug a lot you're talking about termination <laughs> i got dug a ton <laughs> i'm big on termination and beach and indoor forget those shots just hit the ball hard yeah absolutely and and yeah. I mean, my, a... Go ahead. my least favorite to bring it back to the, the coaches discussion, my least favorite line is, oh, I like coaching women because I find the game more interesting. I hate that line. So much. has anybody, has anyone else ever heard somebody say that? Maybe I'm the only one asking coaches why they're coaching women and not men. Yeah. I was like, what's more interesting? <laughs> <laughs> We're all thinking it, Becky. We're all thinking it. <laughs> Okay, yes. I was not thinking it, but now I can't not think about it. Holy <laughs> shit. Come on, that was your reaction when they gave you that answer, Garrett. That had to be. That's For, for a different mind. reason. My reaction was like, what are you talking about? The, 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 you, like, it's more interesting. It's the same. It's volleyball. What do you mean? You, you coach volleyball. Like, come on. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, I get why you might think it's more interesting. I mean, I, like... It's different because young women react differently to receiving coaching than young men do in some situations. Like, I mean, I don't think that I change how I coach, but I know that some people give that a lot of thought. And I don't think that thought needs to be there as much. Like, I think that you just you coach some kids or some athletes and that's it. You just there you go. You coached. Good job. Yeah. Everybody well, come coach. I know we're running out of time, but let's pull on that point real quickly because I've actually heard that as like a person who did the coaching levels and is a learning facilitator. A lot of people think the general theme is to women, you need to communicate better. They need to understand the why, where guys, apparently you don't need to have as much filter to yell at them. Like that's the stereotype, at least that I've heard in the coaching community. I was yelled at relentlessly. <laughs> like I turned out just fine. <laughs> Well, and I think that, like, women don't care if you yell at them, well, yell at them, if what you're saying is about volleyball and you're not yelling at them. Like, I think women and men are the same in that. Like, if you're, whatever you're coaching, if you're saying something useful, then, okay, great. Not that I'm yelling at people, really. But if you're saying something useful and productive and trying to help them, then awesome. So but I'll throw this question. In your master's in coaching, because you are educated, you're a master of coaching, so we should all listen to you. Um, are they talking about the differences between approaching 
men and women, or is that glazed over completely, which I think it probably should be, and Josh, in the coaching levels for your certification, do they bring it up? It's not like textbook. Sorry, Tasha, you can go right after it. It's not in the textbook, Gary, but I'm telling you, it's in the discussions that, you know, the sports are similar, but there are some differences. And this is the biggest difference I see coming up in the discussion is the way to communicate to both genders. I would say it's more of athletes are more individually different than men are different than women. So it's like, I need to communicate with you, Josh, a certain way, with you, Becky, a certain way. And with Garrett, I may never know how I should communicate with you. I don't know. <laughs> so like, we're, not to a good start, we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it takes work to figure out how you should communicate with people. Like we talk about this all the time. Like we take for granted that because we all speak English on our volleyball team, on like the team that I'm with, we take for granted that everybody hears what we're saying and hears the same thing, but that's not necessarily true. Right. And so it's more of like an individual, like, are you getting this? And how do I need to talk to you versus like girls, you need to be nicer to them and more positive and boys, you can be super negative and they're fine. Like we need to get rid of those stereotypes because they're just not true. I think it's suspicious when a coach is nice to me. <laughs> I don't get that. Like, why aren't you yelling at me? Shoot. That's not maybe the best. <laughs> yeah. Is that? <laughs> oh, done. oh no. <laughs> uh, well, Paul needs to come on the show and defend himself. We need like another father sibling combination on the show, Gary. We've already we're eight episodes in. We've had two. I think we need the third here. I'm throwing out the invitation to get the full Pavin clan on the show Ooh. with with the full May clan. I think that would be a hilarious conversation uh, about dynamic and family in the sport. But I'm I'm happy to end on an intelligent note with some info from the master of coaching because Josh, you and I know nothing really, about what we're talking about. I say you and I, you are a professional coach, so mm, I'll lump you in, but feel free to defend what yourself. What was your dad's quote? I don't know what I'm doing, but I do what I know. But oh, that was still, a terrible I don't quote. know what I'm don't doing. Even, yeah. right. Oh, gosh. See, now <laughs> we've dipped. This is how we usually end the show. We just go until oh, I lost something us? stupid yeah, happens. We just, just descend into chaos. Um, so, Josh, why don't you save us, man, from this? It's been great having you two on the show. I'd love to have you back. I feel like we could talk for hours but we don't have that much time, unfortunately. So, Josh, anything we want to uh, say before we sign off? Well, who's ever listening to this other than Paul Pavin, thank you for making it this far in the show. We definitely appreciate it. If, if you're watching on YouTube, even better. So you can catch every Monday on Yes Guy Gaming. You can catch our show here. We have new guests, or maybe we'll have returning guests because these two are awesome. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we're also on Spotify, Podbean. Whatever you get your podcast, you can get this one. And, Garrett, another great show. And I think it's, it's because of the guests. It's not really the host. But we won't tell people that. We won't. Thanks for and having me. And thank you both for coming on the show, and thanks everybody for watching. And we'll, uh, well, we'll see you next time.